we're going to talk about a story out of Thailand that just really, this story made me almost sort of physically sick to, to hear about. These were these kids who were trapped, found trapped in a cave. So the good news, it's a, it's a good news story in that they've been found. Now, this was a soccer team that was out in a cave, and then monsoon rains came, and their entryway got flooded. So they were now trapped in that cave. So they disappeared on uh, June 23rd, and they were found, they say, late Monday in uh, in this mountain range, and there was all sorts of international help that came to get them. Their boys are age range 11 to 16, and their 25-year-old coach are now being described as healthy, and they're being looked after by seven members of the Thai Navy SEALs, including medics, who are going to be staying with them inside the cave and helping them and giving them high-protein drinks and stuff because these kids haven't eaten anything in nine days, ten days. So they they're, they say they're mostly stable condition. I, you know, I can't imagine mentally what kind of condition they're in after being trapped there for it's that long. It's got to be terrifying. Oh, it's, you know, when I was uh, in the Boy Scouts, I 16th Richmond Hill, I was uh, on a Boy Scout camp. It was an annual camping trip that we would do. You camp out and you go to the Warsaw Caves. It's just northeast of the city here and you just go exploring these caves. And there's some of the places, I don't know what I was thinking going into some of these caves and what the scout leaders were thinking, hauling a bunch of kids into these caves. Now, they're very safe. I shouldn't say that, but now I'm scared of everything. You know, as you get older, it's something that you, you don't necessarily, when you're young, you, you think you're invincible. Nothing bad could ever happen to you. Bad things happen to other, other people. people. But now I'm completely terrified of the thought of some of the thin little places we st- stuck ourselves into in places where there was zero visibility because uh, otherwise, without a flashlight, you couldn't see anything because there's no light coming that deep into a cave until you get to the next entrance or so on back to the first entrance and you'd go through a narrow cranny and then into a wide room and then sometimes there was water in there. Now we don't have monsoon rains, so there's nothing that we had to worry about in this situation. These kids, not so much. Now, that's the only cave exploring that I've ever done. I know other people do it on vacation. I've never done it. But uh, Caroline was able to uh, hook us up with a very, very talented and uh, smart guest. This is Anmar Mariza. He's a national coordinator of the National Cave Rescue Commission in the United States, and he's the editor of a book called The Manual of U.S. Cave Rescue Technique. So that's something that I'm interested in now that we've got these kids down there. How are you going to get them out? Well, the ways that you're going to get them out sound almost as harrowing as the situation that they're in right now. I talked to him just before the show because he's so busy with doing TV and radio interviews, so we had to tape it. But I started out by asking him how big these caves are that they're in right now. On the grand scheme of caves, it's a fairly large cave. It's about six miles in length of known cave, and which... For where I live, it's actually a fairly small cave because I live not too far away from the longest cave system in the world, which is Mammoth Cave, which is uh, over 400 miles in length. (laughs) Um, And I regularly play around in caves that are multi-mile in length. Uh, For up in your area, though, it would be an an extremely large cave because most of the caves um, in the northern part of the continent uh, are fairly small. 
Um, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a large system, but it's not a, an overly complicated system. There's only two main passages in the cave. Now, sometimes finding your way through the cave itself can be complicated because you go from large room to small places to large room again, and those can be hard to find. Right, and now we've found these kids in the cave. There's a lot of questions in people's minds. What happens to them there? How long can they stay in there waiting for rescue? Well, now that we've found them uh, and, and we're able to get supplies to them, the, the time pressure actually eases off to a degree because um, as long as supplies can be brought in, and, and the divers can certainly bring in enough supplies uh, to, to last for a, a good long time, um, they are not in any immediate danger. Um, it's uh, likely that, uh, of course, with this monsoon rains in this area, it's likely that the, on its own the water level wouldn't go back down until October or November, which is a fairly long time. Um, and, of course, you know, n- nobody wants to be trapped for that long. No. But as long as you have access to drinkable water and food um, and you can get dry, then it's, you, know, you, can, you can survive that. Now, psychologically, that's going to be very difficult. But if communication lines can be run where they can have regular contact with the outside, including their families, then, again, even then, that's a lot more survivable. Now, obviously, the options that we have right now for getting them out, there's really only three options um, and, and none of them are great options. <laughs> yeah, so um, let's, let's go over some of those options uh, right now, Anmar. What's the first option? Would it be actually, you know, opening up the cave, drilling in or digging them out? Well, there really isn't a first option. Okay. The problem is, is that the, of the three options, they have their pluses and minuses, and they're all equally not great. Um, so the an, an option would be to try to create a new entrance, whether it's finding a natural entrance, what they've been spending the last 10 days doing currently, and the longer time goes by, the less likely that is, uh, or t- attempting to drill a new entrance into it, which it sounds really simple, but is actually really complicated to do because the drilling equipment is very heavy equipment, has to be brought in by truck, which means that a road has to be built up to there. And then a highly detailed survey needs to be done of where exactly they are in the cave because you can't just start punching holes in the hillside and hope you hit it, especially when you're, you're, you're hundreds of meters down. So it's, and it takes a long time even once you've done that. But if a hole can be drilled into where they are, then resupplying them actually becomes very simple because you can lower supplies down just like they did for the Chilean miners uh, and uh, the, the rescue that happened in, t- in 2010 from the gold mine. Is there any danger the in collapsing the cave by starting to dig around and drill around? Um, not really. Uh, most caves tend to be relatively stable, um, and in this particular case, they'll have the opportunity to evaluate uh, the stability of the cave. Um, again, it's, it's just not an easy thing to do, though, because hitting that target is, is incredibly difficult. And then, of course, um, you know, the, the option of waiting for the water to go down, whether it's naturally or it goes down enough because they're also pumping it, mm-hmm. that one's left up to Mother Nature. Um, you know, if the more rain that they get, uh, the harder that becomes. So uh, that, that still may be weeks right there. And then, of course, the, the option that everybody's talking about, it's like, well, why can't you just bring them out by divers, right. um, is, is an incredibly dangerous option. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the more immediate one. If, if they can get them out successfully, it'd be a matter of a few days. But the problem there is you're taking now people who have absolutely no diving experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my understanding is these kids can't even swim. 
and you're asking them to go through very tight, very highly technical dives in cave. I mean, a, a cave diver, in order to become certified as a cave diver, you have had years of, of experience and hundreds of hours of instructions because there is absolutely no margin of error. If you panic in there or if you lose your regulator or your mask, um, it, that can be fatal. So, again, it's, it's a more immediate option for getting them out, but it's not, very, it's not a very good one. On top of that, these kids have been without food for nine days, ten days, now, well, nine days, and so they, they're, they're barely able to stand. They're so weak. And they're several kilometers into the cave, and that means that they have an, a high amount of physical exertion that has to happen to get themselves out. So, again, no good options. Yeah, so it, when we think about the diving option, would they be expected to sort of swim and sort of follow a chain of other divers, or would, could you string a, a, a cord or something that they would be able to follow along the cave wall uh, so that they wouldn't lose their way along the path? There is a dive line, and because and there has to be a dive line because um, the, the visibility here is zero. There's mm. basically no visibility at all. Um, so the, the, the cave divers are following a dive line in and out. But, again, keep in mind that this is not like an open-water dive. These people actually crawled through some very tight places to get in, and so if, if they get stuck in there, they panic, something like that, they can't just rise to the surface and go to free air. And, you know, I, going back to sort of the dangers of staying put right now, is there any danger in the air running out in the section of the cave that they're in right now? Um, it's unlikely. Most caves have some natural air convection to them, whether it's, uh, you know, through the, the entrances people come in and out of or through small cracks and fissures that are too small for people, but air can still circulate through there. Also, the, the floodwaters themselves uh, bring in air as well. So they've already been in there 10 days, um, and it hasn't been a, a problem yet. There are a very few caves that have problems with air running out, and there have been diving situations where a, a diver may have come up into a small air bell inside of a cave and only had a few hours of air. But for the most part, most open caves are, have a pretty good air circulation to them. You know, a lot of people will go on vacation and explore caves. You know, you were talking about uh, you like to explore caves yourself. You know, is there an inherent danger? Obviously, there's an inherent danger in going into a cave like that. But do you think people should be concerned about exploring caves that maybe are not that well explored or in you know, countries where the uh, safety standard hasn't necessarily been up to snuff? Oh, absolutely. And the, the, the issue that, that comes to play is the fact that if you know what you're doing and you've got a, even a little bit of training and, or take some basic safety precautions, horizontal caving is, is incredibly safe. Um, very few people get injured or die um, because of horizontal caving. It's actually safer than we, we always say in the U.S. here. It's safer than the drive to or from the cave. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know what you're doing or you're not properly equipped or you're going into a cave that is known to flood when there's potential for rain, um, that's when these kind of accidents happen. And the uh, most accidents or incidents in caves actually happen from people who are unprepared for the environment they're going into. Perfect. Hey, I really appreciate your help today. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we're all thinking about these kids here and hoping that they can get out there safe. Yep, you're quite welcome.